Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 87. This is Deb Falzoy, and this week I'm talking with life coach Kamini Wood. She is a speaker, an international best-selling author, and she's talking about people-pleasing, especially going what she call, from what she calls external expectation and validation hostage to resilient self-leader. And in this episode, she talks about what that process is, how self-compassion, mindfulness, shame and guilt all play into that. I want to also, before we hear what comedy has to say, I want to let you know that I have a survey on patreon.com slash screw the hierarchy to find out what kind of perks you'd like, what more information you you want um, to, to help to help fund this podcast and to, to keep giving you more information on this, this topic. So are you ready to hear what comedy has to say? More after this. If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you've found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. So I want to know if are stress, overwhelm, and anxiety common with high achievers and also people-pleasing? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that um, most of the high achievers, because I work with, I'd say the majority of who I work with are high performers or high achievers. And the amount of stress and overwhelm that comes with that, because it's almost as if um, we're carrying an extra load you know, and so it's not just our stuff, but it's the stuff of all the external expectations, the the weight of all of the other people around us, people pleasing, especially we spend so much time worrying about other people's emotions and how they're feeling. And if they're happy, it's, it's, it's like carrying somebody else's load. And so that just adds to stress and overwhelm when we think about it. Um, we're not, we're actually, does this come from? Like, where do we, how do we become high achievers in, in the first place? I love that question. Um, and I wish I had the perfect answer for it. I don't think I do. Haha, there's my high achiever coming out. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of it is, it, it does come from environment. It can come from social interactions. It can come from familiar, familial interactions. I think epigenetics does play a part in it. Um, I just think that all of that combined, I don't think it's any one thing that necessarily is we can point to it and say, okay, that's where I got my high achieving per- personality from. Um, and I just think being aware of when it's showing up is the key, right? Because it's not about, it's not about saying don't be a high achiever or don't be a high performer. It's about the weight that comes with that. And can we, can we harness the positives of that personality of that work ethic, that performance ethic, and also not make ourselves bad or wrong or shame or guilt ourselves if we don't achieve the thing that we set out to achieve. So how do we, when we find ourselves like stuck in this people-pleasing mode, what are some of the key ways that we can get out of it? And and I I liked what you said, um, you know, on your website about uh, going from what you call external expectation and validation hostage to mm-hmm. self-leader. So what are some of the key um, ingredients in, in that transformation? Yeah, so one of the, the real key uh, items that I always talk about when it comes to how do we 
how do we reduce the people pleasing? How do we reduce the need to make others happy or to give up what we want in deference to somebody else? And it really comes down to a couple things. One is what's our motivation? So asking ourselves, what's motivating me to say yes right now? Or what's motivating me to do this thing that I'm about to, to engage in? That's number one. And the other real important key is checking in with self. You know, how do I feel about this? Or how do I feel in general? And what do I need? Because many times as a people pleaser, we completely alienate ourselves in any dynamic that we're in. We, we forget to check in about our own feelings and our own emotions or what it is that we need because we're so concerned with everybody external to us that we, we lose sight of that piece of self. And those are the two key components, I think, that that contribute to being able to break that, that cycle. And then what, what role does self-compassion play into all of that? So self-compassion is really, um, it, it's, Kristen Neff talks about it beautifully. I mean, it, she's the main researcher on self-compassion, but it's, it's a three-pillared approach to, to how we treat ourselves. One is self-kindness over self-judgment. Um, the second pillar is recognizing there's this concept of common humanity. So it's, I'm not in this alone. I'm not isolated. Other people have had similar experiences to me and I can lean on them for support and also uh, glean information from that. It's not, it's not me against the world, right? Because when we're in that isolated place, it's really hard to break that cycle of feeling like I've, I've got to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. And then the third is mindfulness. It's about being in the present moment. It's about um, allowing the past to be in the past. We can learn from it, but we, we can't undo it or fix it. So it's about, um, and, and also future, you know, future tripping is another thing that I think high achievers and high performers get caught up in. It's, it's worrying about what could happen and then coming up with all these plans. Of, well, if this happens, then I'll do this. And if this happens, I'll do this and spending so much energy in the future that we forget about the here and now. So those three pillars, self-kindness over self-judgment, common humanity, and mindfulness are the three pieces that allow us to break that cycle of uh, people pleasing as well as living our lives to those external expectations or being hostage to the external validation. Because what happens is, is if we think that we need to measure ourselves from that external place, and then we think we've fallen short, we immediately go into self-judgment. And so when we can go into a place of self-kindness, recognizing, oh, wow, that's an, that outcome was not what I anticipated. But instead of the self-judgment, it's recognizing that, well, first of all, I tried my best or I did, I made the choice that was um, the best one that I had with the information or the best one I can make with the information I had at the time. And this is what I've learned. So this is how I can move forward versus getting caught up in there must be something wrong with me. Because when we get caught up in that cycle, um, we, we aren't able to move out of that place of measuring everything from an external place. So that's where like that shame, the shame and guilt piece of this come in then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we tend to um, game uh, guilt or gain, uh, shame ourselves in when we feel like we've let somebody else down and it's recognizing that you know, and it's not a selfish thing. I, I, I refer to it as being selfful, right? It's about what do I feel? What do I need? What is success to me rather than measuring success from some external place? Also recognizing that each one of us has the autonomy and responsibility for our own happiness. And so it's actually a selfful act to allow other people to own their own happiness and to 
define it for themselves rather than thinking that we have to people please to create happiness for somebody else. I love that. Um, what, so when you work with clients, what, um, what can, or what can clients hope to let go of when they work with you and then also gain as a result, what's sort of the, the transformational, um, before and after and kind of the, the process of, of getting there, I guess. Getting there. Yeah. So when I work with my clients, um, one of the things that we really work on is that relationship with self, right? And I, and I say this time and time again, and I probably sound like a broken record if people have heard me before, is that the most important relationship is the one we have with ourselves. And I think oftentimes we forget that. We think about all the relationships we have with everybody else. And it always comes back to that one with self, because that's how we're showing up in those other relationships. So that's the, the pure essence of what I do. But when we're working together, we start to reveal some of those false beliefs that might be might be hiding and lurking in the background, right? So the false belief of I'm not good enough generally happens when we're people pleasers because we actually associate making somebody else happy if they're not happier or we've, we, uh, we assume that we've created conflict with them, then maybe there's something wrong with us. And so it's about bringing those things to the awareness because from that place, we can come to this place of acceptance, acknowledgement and acceptance, and then we can start making, um, taking aligned action into how it step into this generative place. You know, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? Really gaining clarity on what are the dreams I have for myself and what are the commitments I need to make in order to live into those. So it really takes people from this place of feeling stuck or feeling that not enoughness into a place of clarity, this place of deep self-acceptance in order to then move forward either professionally or personally or both. You know, it's, it's about, I always say I do all the life things because I think that they're all so intertwined. <laughs> so this is really about like, it's not like an aha moment per se. It's more about like chipping away at these limited beliefs we've, we've kind of gained along the way and just figuring out ways to, to reframe them in the moment. Is that kind of... Yeah, I, I, and I do think that some clients will have certain aha moments because they come in level seven. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that was the limiting belief I had. And that was related to why, you know, for instance, I couldn't move forward in my, um, my leadership roles at, at work because of this one belief that I was carrying over here. So there are those moments where it's like, oh, wow, I made the connection. By the same token, it is a process, right? Because we didn't just become a people pleaser or high achiever overnight. It was a process of becoming that. So it's, a, it's also a process of recognizing what does help us move forward and keeping those things. And then the pieces that don't serve us anymore. It's never about judgment or saying, oh, that was wrong. It's simply to say, okay, that no longer serves me. So what pieces am I ready to shift in order to move myself forward? Um, and how do people work with you? How do people get in touch with you to what is like the process look like for working with you? So the way that I work, um, I exclusively work one-to-one -one with people right now. I don't, I don't do group sessions. Um, I just, I really believe in having that. Um, I, I, I think that having that one-to-one -one attention and having that safe space to unpack anything that needs to come up without feeling like I have to you know, 
filter or anything like that. I don't want there ever to be filters when working with clients. So um, the way that, that it works, it's a super simple process. They reach out. We have just a, a powerful conversation and just really understand what's going on. I'm not one to push coaching on anybody. I truly believe that um, it has to be right for the client. It has to be a good fit for the client. And they have to be ready to do the work because I'm not a fixer. I'm the co-collaborator. I'm the support, the supporter. So therefore, they have to be willing to step up and be willing to, to do the work for themselves and recognize that when they invest this time in themselves, it's actually going to exponentially uh, benefit them in all areas of life. So we have that conversation, we see if there's a fit, and then we, we figure out what is the best uh, package in order for us to work together, because there's customization that can happen with that. Great. Um, and so they should go to comedywood.com or how, what's the best uh, ways Wait to find you? Yeah. So if they want to read more about what I do and just my process, um, comedywood.com, lots of information. There's also a blog there. So hopefully they'd be, maybe find some articles that are helpful. And um, in order to just book a time to speak with me, they can also go to chatwithcomedy.com and simply fill out the information there, book a time right there on the calendar. And um, we go from there. Great. Um, any like parting words of wisdom for the, for people who are like struggling with the people pleasing, um, and the, the stress that comes from that? You know, it's, it, I, I'm a people pleaser by nature myself. And I, and I say that I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser because now I'm more aware of it. I think it's really just recognizing that there's nothing wrong with us, right? We're not broken or, um, we need to go fix something. It's just recognizing it's, it's part of who we are and how do we work within that in order to move forward because I'm a firm believer that life happens through us and for us. And so all of the things are there to teach us something. And it's, it's just an ever evolving process. And that's kind of how I, how I operate. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much, Kamini, for, for being here and sharing your, your insights. Um, I appreciate it. Deb, thanks so much. I've really appreciated it. Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org slash targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly, Deb Falzoy, and the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.